You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again. It's Thursday morning. This is when we get together. This is when we do this show. This is the norm. This is how it carries through the offseason. And man, oh man, is it kind of a strange time of year because it's there's football still going on, but there's not Steelers football going on. There's other rumblings going on around the league. It's off-season mode, but yet the season's not done. I mean, I completely forgot earlier on Wednesday that when some reports were coming out of injury reports, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's still four teams that have injury reports because I'm in off-season mode. And it's just one of those weird things that's like – it's that your team's done, but the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. And now it goes on for for a little bit longer into February now. And it's just it's just strange. It's just different how it all feels to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's just me, but that's just, I guess, part of part of the job. But here we are with Behind the Steel Curtain. We've got all your podcasts coming at you. We've got all the content at the website coming at you at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. If you are only partaking in the podcast, you are definitely missing out on a lot of good stuff. Lots of film rooms, lots of commentary, lots of news. I mean, just... Just on Wednesday, there was, I think I did two news articles. Jeff Hartman did two news articles. Uh, let's see, it was things, you know, the Steelers signing um, another player to a to a futures contract. T.J. Watt was uh, Pro Football Writers of America's Defensive Player of the Year. And that is significant. I wanted to bring that one up. But the, the other news was stuff about, you know, interviews for coordinators, things of that nature but I, I did want to bring up the 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 the, the TJ Watt because I did a little bit of research 
when I was doing that article. Um, and, and, and I did, some people are like, Oh, so, so did he win? Did he, what is this? They're, they have a bunch of different, um, defensive players of the year. I know there was like the, the, the one Oh one club I'm, or something or something like that. The, the one Oh one awards. I, I did that article earlier in the week that he won the award, but that was for AFC defensive player of the year. Some of them do it by conference. Some just do it overall. This is the, you know, pro football writers of America defensive player of the year. And what's interesting there is they've been doing this since 1992. So 29, 29 previous years. This is, this, this is the, the 30th one coming up. And in the 29 previous years, it, there have gone on, the, sorry, the player who they selected has gone on to win the NFL's Defensive Player of the Year 25 of those times. So only four times has it not happened. But what's crazy is those four times where it hasn't happened, two of them actually affected the Steelers. Twice the Steeler, there was a member of the Steelers who wasn't selected the Pro Football Writers of America Defensive Player of the Year but was selected by the NFL. That was Rod Woodson in 98, I do believe. And it was Troy Palomalo in 2010 that, uh, that there was, the, yeah, Oh, sorry. And, um, I, I said, I said 98 it was actually 90. It was 93. Uh, my, I was thinking of the number of my brain and I was thinking of the double curves and I wasn't thinking of it <laughs> completing the whole way through. So yes, it was in 93. So, but there's never been a, a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers that was, uh, the pro writer, uh, pro pro football writers of America winner that then didn't win because the only one that's that, that won both on the same year that was James Harrison in two thousand eight. So pro football writers have not picked Steelers who ended up winning the award, but they've never picked a member of the Steelers that then didn't win the award. So I'm hoping this is just all getting to February tenth when they do. It, it, it was usually the Saturday, the night before the Super Bowl, that they did the ceremony. This year, it's the Thursday before the Super Bowl that they're doing the award ceremony um, on February tenth, where they will announce those things, such as hopefully one Trent Jordan Watt being Defensive Player of the Year. And I bring that up because I, I have a couple questions that we're going to be doing today, and one of them. The one that we look at in the second half, um, that actually involves TJ Watt and and everything just a little bit. You know, it's not all about TJ Watt, but it, it's a question that, that involves him there. So I'm going to jump into some of these numbers here from questions, and I'm looking for questions. And you all, you know, you, I right away I got a couple qu- really good questions last week as soon as I said this. But you know what? I need more. I need more questions. So if you could. You know, reach out to me, stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com is the email, or just stlrsuperfandad on Twitter. Um, you could reach out to me. You could, you could, I don't know, you could even hashtag Nerds of Steel, and that would probably work. Uh, but you could direct message me. You could tag me in a question. You can do any of those things. You probably, if you're listening to this, you might have a very good indication of how to do that even easier than I could tell you. Um, but I'm looking for stats questions and things you're like, huh, I wonder about this. I wonder about that. So that's what I'm looking for. And this week we have two of them. And the first question um, that we're going to look at is now I, I do want to say before I, I bring up the question, of course, this is this is me and how I go. I set you up and then I don't follow through. This isn't like the mailbag segment with Jeff and his let's ride. It, it simply isn't. Jeff has asked some very some some very top you know top of your head questions that he then goes through and he answers them all. I would love to answer every question that I get. 
if I can, if, and if I can't, I will let you know that I can't, but these aren't questions that I can just answer off the top of my head. These are questions that you all submit to me and I research and I dig it up and I figure out these numbers for you. And these are two great examples of questions of this nature. So the first one's coming at, uh, came to me from Twitter um, by Mike. This is at Petaway Tomlin. So it's Mike at Petaway Tomlin. Gotta love that one. <clears throat> he said, hey, Dave, if you're looking for, for a topic for StatGeek, I'm interested in how first-year offensive coordinators have fared in Pittsburgh and if the second year they improve. He wants to know if there's any hope for Canada to improve, assuming that he's staying. Well, everything right now is saying that Matt Canada is staying. They haven't moved on from it this time. Some people read uh, Coach Tomlin's comments um, the Tuesday after their last game one way. Some read it another. I I think he's going to be around. But but anyway, let's answer this question. So, Mike, thanks for the question, and this is how it's going to go. I did not go back to every Steelers offensive coordinator. Uh, the first Steelers offensive coordinator by title was in 1983, and that was Tom Moore. Uh, I'm not, I didn't go back that far because, frankly, that would have been even more work. And I said, well, let's, that wasn't really as modern to the NFL to, to get a good idea. So what I did is I basically have gone back to the Kevin Colbert era. I went back since 2000 and all the coordinators, when they were hired, what I looked at was, okay, how did they improve things when they first got here? So I looked at the year before they got here, their first year, and then their second year. That's what I did to, to, to set it up and to see which way they were trending up, down, in, out, all around. I think you understand what I'm saying. Hopefully. But the question is, what did I look at? I looked at offensive rankings. I looked at where they ranked offensively overall, and that's done by yardage. Then I ranked that. I looked at where they were ranked uh, from a passing standpoint and where they were ranked from a running standpoint, much like I do when I was breaking down a lot of the stats. I didn't look at the points. That was just one other thing um, that that I, I didn't dive into with you know if, if they were scoring points because sometimes it's funny because Brian Anthony Davis is like I don't care about yardage. I just care about points. I mean, that's a really good point. But at the same time, sometimes you don't care about points because you could a team could score more points late in the game and they don't need to because they've all, because they're ahead. But they might still need to gain some yards in order to possess the ball and run out the clock, things of that nature. And you could look at it the, the other way. You know, it doesn't matter if you move the ball up and down the field if you can't put points on on the scoreboard. So, but the NFL looks at the rankings by yardage, so that's why I'm sticking with the yardage. So I'm letting you know. I skipped over Tom Moore. I skipped over Joe Walton. I skipped over Ron Earhart. I skipped over Chan Gailey. I skipped over Ray Sherman and skipped over Kevin Gilbride, who went all the way up through 2000. So those are the ones that we won't be looking at because I wanted to get at least a little bit more modern. And if you, I still went with where I started off with Mike Malarkey. If you, even if you start with Malarkey, Let's start with my, I'm sorry. If you start with Mike Malarkey, uh, I just cracked myself up that that's still pre Ben Roethlisberger, because if you, if you were really to start with the next one with Ken Wisenhunt, that just, then you don't have to factor in your, your quarterback as one of those external factors. Cause we'll see that when we get closer to the end with Randy Feetner and you're like, um, his second season, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. So 
I, there's kind of a little asterisk there with him, but we'll, we'll look at that when we get there. So we, we're starting off, we're going all the way back to 2001, and we're going with Mike Malarkey. All right. The year before Mike Malarkey was the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they were ranked 18th in offense, and that broke down to they were ranked 24th in passing and 4th in rushing. So they were a run-the-ball team. They were just outside of, of the middle of the pack because um, that was 31 teams uh, back then. And, and, and But they were really far down with their passing. Now, when Malarkey came in in 2001, in their overall offense, they went from 18th to 3rd. So they increased 15, 15 positions. I will tell you now that is the greatest increase of any offensive coordinator that I looked at. Everybody else there completely falls off. And they only, here's what's crazy though. They only increased three spots in their passing up to 21st, but they went from the fourth best rushing attack to the number one rushing attack, which also went up three spots. So by increasing a total you know, three spots in passing, three spots in running to, you know, increasing six, they actually went up 15 overall, which is crazy. Now in his second year, it didn't go quite as well, um, but it wasn't bad because they went in 2002, they went from third in 2001 to fifth in 2002 in an overall offense. So they lost two spots. Their passing game shot through the roof. They went from 21st up to 7th, so that was a gain of 14 positions. But their rushing attack fell from the top one in the league down to the ninth overall in the league. So just just fell off a little bit overall um, in the yardage. And I'm giving you the passing and the rushing because you can kind of see, oh, they went way up in passing, down in rushing, and they fell a little bit. Normally, it's not that way, but man, that that rushing from 2001 was just really something. So that was Mike Malarkey. There wasn't. There was a huge improvement when he came in. Then, if anything, a very slight regression his second year. But he made such a big jump in his first year. Um, you, you, you almost kind of expect that. So let's move on to Ken Wisenhunt, who started in 2004. So in the years, in the season before he was there, the Steelers were ranked 22nd in overall offense. They were 14th in the pass and 31st in rushing offense. Yeah, they had a little bit of a jump there too. Wisenhunt took them from 22nd to 16th in his first year. All right. And in passing, it went way down. It went way down, but that was also, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's rookie year. So if you remember Tommy Gunn throwing the ball around in 2003 and things of that nature, um, 2004, they stepped back. But the reason they stepped back is because they went from the 31st rushing attack to the second best rushing attack in the NFL. That was up 29 spots. So they shifted from being, you know, pretty decent pass, not very good at the run to, hey, we're not passing very well because we're running the ball down your throat. Um, then in his second year, that once again, they were ranked 16th. So he saw no, no change up or down from 2004 to 2005, which if you recall, that's a Super Bowl season. Um, they increased their passing offense, um, up to 24th and they went from second in rushing to fifth in rushing. Uh, you know, a lot of that, those individual things of passing and rushing, you know, kind of depends on your game situations, but the overall yardage, they were ranked just the same. So you didn't see a jump in Wisenhunt's second year. 
um, you just saw a pretty good jump when he first came in. So let's move on to Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians started in 2007. So in 2006, before Arians took over, yeah. Um, and you kind of understand why Wisenhunt was moved on to be a head coach because they were they had moved up to the seventh overall offense. They were ninth in passing and 10th in rushing. So when Arians came in, they took a step back. They were the 17th overall offense. They were 22nd in passing, but they moved back up to third in rushing. So in all, overall offense, they they moved down 10 spots. They moved down 10 spots in passing, but they moved up seven in rushing. Then when Arians went to his next year, they actually had a fall off in their offense in 2008, which, as we know, was another Super Bowl season. But uh, they were 22nd in offense. 17th in passing and 23rd in rushing. So they were minus five overall. They went plus five on the passing side, but they were minus 20 in their rushing attack for 2008 um, from what it was the, the previous season. So a little bit of a step back in Arian's second year as the offensive coordinator. Let's move on to Todd Haley, who started in 2012. The year before him in 2011, Arians last year, they were they were the 12th overall offense. They were 10th in passing, 14th in rushing. Haley comes in his first year, ugh, 21st overall offense, lost nine positions. They were 14th in passing, so they lost four positions, and they were 26th in running the football. They had lost 12 positions. So Haley comes in, and it's a big step back his first year. But the next year, they they improved a little bit. They went from 21st up to 20th. So it was plus one in yardage. They were plus two in passing because they went from 14 up to 12. Uh, but their, their running attack, even worse, went down to 28th. They lost two spots there. So they, they gained two in passing, lost two in rushing, and in all, it, it made them go up one spot. So really, it didn't change much from year one to year two from Todd, for Todd Haley. And let's look at the last one that we got the whole set of data, kind of, and that's Randy Feetner. When he took over the year before in 2017, the Steelers were third in offense, third in passing, 20th in rushing. Randy Feetner comes in. They go from they go to fourth in offense. So they lost one spot. They went up to second in passing, up one spot, and they fell to the 31st rushing attack in the NFL. That was down 11 spots. So a, a little bit of a step back um, in Randy Land's first season. Then we could go to the second season. Now, remember, Ben Roethlisberger got hurt in the second game. So when they were 30th in yards and 31st in passing and 29th in rushing with an awful, awful offense, of course that looks bad. They lost 16 spots over an overall offense. So maybe we should say, maybe we should throw out 2019. Well, if you then go look at 2020, it still wasn't good. It's still, oh wait, I said they lost six, sorry. They lost 26 spots. I said 16. It was 26, you know, from fourth to 30th. Okay. But it wasn't much better the next year because instead of 30th, they were 25th. And instead of 31st in passing, they were 15th. And in rushing, they were dead last. So in rushing, they they got, they went worse one from compared to Randy Land's first year. And in passing, they lost 13. And in overall, they lost 21. So let's just say this. It got worse after that first year with Randy Feetner. Now let's see what Matt Canada was doing. 
they actually did a little bit better in 2021 than they did in 2020 with the, when it came to offense. They were ranked 23rd in yardage, which was up to. They were ranked 15th in passing, which was the same, and 29th in rushing, which was three spots higher. So if you look at it, Matt Canada's offense was a slight improvement over what it was the year before. The problem was it was just so bad the year before. So if you look at all these coordinators, as I spew out all these numbers, the only one that made, none of them made a significant jump in year two. I mean, Ken Wisenhunt kept them the exact same overall in yardage. Todd Haley moved them up one spot. That's been it. You know, Figner fell off the cliff. Okay. Arians, they took a little bit of a step back. Malarkey, they took a little bit of a step back. So I hate to say this, but if you're looking for some comfort for year two for Matt Canada, you're yeah, you're not really finding it. But I will tell you this, out of all those other out of all those other coaches, he was taking over the worst overall ranked offense of any of them. He was taking over the 25th ranked offense. You know, Wisenhunt took over the 22nd ranked offense. You saw a big jump with Wisenhunt. Uh, you didn't see it with Canada. So, but Wisenhunt had no, you know, jumped his first year and then no jump into his second. The fact that Canada had no jump on really hardly any jump on his first year, then he's got to jump in the second. If he doesn't, it's probably going to be it for him. So, We'll see how that plays out. That's just dealing with history um, and where it came. I was answering the question. And so I tried to be very thorough with it. So I hope that was a good enough response. We kind of ran over a little bit in the first half, but it's all right. The second half, we won't take nearly as long. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. I'm going to come back with this other question, which involves TJ Watt, Steelers getting sacks, and how it kind of shapes up the story. So stick around with we'll me. Steeler fans, welcome back to Steeler Stat Geek. Hey, let's get rolling with this. In case you 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 missed it or like, oh, wait a second. Um, I, I didn't hear what happened before that commercial. Bottom line is to answer the first question, you know, should we expect a jump from Matt Canada in year two based on the past Steelers offensive coordinators? The answer is really uh, no, not really, not really. But at the same time, he was taking over a worse ranked offense than what any of the other coordinators under under Kevin Colbert was taking over. So we'll see, you know, those, those that were taking over really powerful offenses, they got, you know, they took steps back their first year and then could kind of continue to do so and then got it going. Because I mean, for example, I'll just, I I know we moved on from this. I mean, Bruce Arians took over the, the seventh best offense that fell, it fell back. But by the time he left, they were back up pretty close to there because they were all already up to 12th by the time he left. Um, so sometimes you also have to look at that as well. Did you leave them 
um, in a better shape than what they started. I mean, Ken Wisenhut, my goodness, he started off at the 22nd, and by the time he left, they were up to 7th. So um, even Todd Haley, you know, he started off at the 12th, big step back, but they were they were up to the to third, the third-ranked offense um, whenever he was gone. Um, kind of got to question that decision a little bit when you look back to it. You know, too bad that people just had uh, personality conflicts. But anyway, I digress. Next question. Here we go. Let's dive into this. So we're, we're look, get to look at the other side of the ball, okay? This is from Joe Cirillo, who is at underscore Joe Cirillo. He says, "Still STLR super fan dad, stat geek today made me wonder how. So, yeah, he sent this to me last Thursday, just so you know. Um, how did the Steelers' big pass rush trio, he said, Watt, Highsmith, Hayward, compare to the Super Bowl 43 winning trio of the same positions, Harrison, Woodley, and Hampton? He says, obviously, the 43 team had more weapons, but he's just curious how they compared. Now, I'm going to go with the names that he said, but what's interesting is that in both his examples, both the 2021 and the 2008 example, those weren't the top three sack players or top top three players in sacks for the Steelers either of those seasons. So I'll go with his numbers, but then I'll tell you really how it played out. Okay, so let's look at this year. This year, top, top three sack players, he said Watt, Hayward, and Highsmith. Well, that was 22 and a half from Watt, which we all know about that. Hayward had 10, Highsmith had six. And that, that, that totaled 38.5 sacks between all of them. Now, granted, they did have an extra game, even though you know, TJ Watt didn't play every game. Alex Highsmith didn't play every game. Cam Hayward was the only one that played every game. But, but still, I will tell you that there was someone that had more sacks on the team than Alex Highsmith. And that was actually Chris Wormley had seven when Highsmith had six. So if you look at just the top three in general, it would have been 39.5. Yet no one else really comes anywhere close to that because I looked at some other years as well. Okay, so but if you go to that 2008 team, now first of all, remember, in, in 2021, they had 55 sacks. I did not look at any of the other recent years that included TJ Watts just because we knew that this one was kind of more of a bigger year. I kind of was look, trying to look at different eras and see how they stacked up in some of their best years. So first, let's look at 2008. They had 51 sacks for the season um, that year. And there, and the three players he mentioned of Harrison, Woodley, and Hampton, they had Harrison had 16, Woodley had 11 and a half, Hampton had one, and that had him at 28.5. But if you put in who actually was number three, who was a similar position. It wasn't Casey Hampton. It was Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith had five and a half sacks. So if we substitute Aaron Smith into this equation, that had him up to 33. So that was still probably, that was still with, with putting Aaron Smith in there. That was the second best trio that I came across than uh, what the Steelers had this year. I mean, if you look at just the duo, you know, that that's pretty good too, but well, but you know, Watt and Hayward, my goodness. You know, T.J. Watt getting all those sacks really helped. But uh, as I mentioned with my brother on the Scobro show this week, uh, sorry I keep referring to that show, but no, it, it, it's when we were talking. Is that how many sacks would Alex Highsmith would have had this year if it wasn't for T.J. Watt just getting there first? So you know, it, it, it that's why sometimes it really does help to have it with a team. But like, like, and then people were yet complaining about the time that Highsmith got there before Watt in Week 16. But oh well. I decided to look at some other years where the Steelers had some pretty high overall team sack numbers. 
and then look at their top three again. Um, I was, I was, I, some of them didn't come very close. You know, like 1983, the top three guys had 27 and a half. 1996, the, the, the top guys had, had the top three had 24 and a half. Um, 2002, the top three guys had, tw- had, or sorry, 96 had 24. 2002 had 24 and a half. And, and in case you're wondering uh, where, where those, those numbers came from, why I picked those years, well, that's because, you know, 2002, the Steelers had 50 sacks. In 1983, the Steelers had 50 sacks. Okay. In in 1996, the Steelers had 51 sacks. So I was checking those years of when they had 50 or more sacks. Um, not not recently, not not because the, the last five years they've done it every year. Uh, not those four years, but I was checking other years. And I have some other years in here that we I'm going to highlight of who those players were. Okay. For example. 2001, and this is going backwards from 2008. So we did 2021, 2008. In 2001, they had 55 sacks as a team. And the top three sack leaders were Jason Gilden, Kendra Bell, and Joey Porter. Gilden had 12 and Bell and Porter each had nine. That gave them 30 sacks between the three players. So, uh, you know, obviously not up to the to 2021, but still, you know, that that's still pretty good. And then there was 1994 when the Steelers had 55 sacks and their top three uh, sackers were um, Kevin Green with 14, Greg Lloyd with 10 and Chad Brown with eight and a half. That was 32 and a half sacks. That was the next best one behind 2008. Only only a half a sack behind them if you're counting uh, Aaron Smith in there instead of Casey Hampton. Um, and then there was one more year of note that I really wanted to make sure I, I pointed out. And it was a year where the Steelers had 52 sacks, where they had 52 sacks in a 14-game season. That's right. That's 1974. Okay. And they're leading the the, the, lead, the leaders in sacks for the Steelers that year. Now, remember, these were not official statistics way back then. They didn't start until 80, 82. That's, yeah, 82. 82. Um or 83, one of those two. Um, I, I keep getting the strike year and the sack starting, all that mixed up. So in 74, they weren't official, but they've gone back and, and recorded them as who would be like unofficial stats, uh, sack leaders because they did keep them as a team. They, you could just go back and then um, give them to a person. The leading sacker for the Steelers that year was Ernie Holmes with 11 and a half, followed by Elsie Greenwood with 11 and Mean Joe Green with nine. So they had 31 and a half sacks combined in 14 games. So if you look at that 31 and a half, okay, you look at that 31 and a half and divide it by the 14 games, you know, that was between the three guys, they had two and a quarter sacks per game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good because this year, if you're talking per game, they were they were just behind this year at at 2.32 sacks per game. So if you look at that, that 74 team, because of the number of games, they're really number two, if you really want to say that, uh, ahead of 2008. Because in 2008, I mean, theirs, theirs per game was 2.06. So it really wasn't all that close compared to 74. 74, I would say, would be the next best performance of the trio. Sacks weren't even official. It's not like they were out there trying to get them for their own personal sacks. They were just out there trying to uh, to, to put their defense in a better position. So that, to me, would be the next best year if you're looking at the top 
three sackers on the team. I don't know what else to call them. Sack artists, sack, notching the most sacks. <laughs> You've heard me say sackers too many times in this episode, but, uh, I hope that answers the question. And that was interesting because honestly, I did not realize until I looked it up that Chris Wormley had more sacks than Alex Highsmith this year. But uh, if you're just looking, you know, at, at, at trios, um, when you want to look at the best season that they've put in, 2021 would be the tops, but that really that's really skewed because of, of the TJ Watt factor. Um, so if you want to look at the best overall um, trio ever that were really close in numbers, that's got to be that 74 team. Because, I mean, my goodness, 11 and a half, 11 and nine, two and a half sacks separated first from third. And when you look, and they averaged one of – between those three players, they were getting two and a quarter sacks a game. That's that's pretty impressive. So um, with that, that's our Stat Geek this week. Please, 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 if you have a good question, send it to me. I'm looking for them. I want to know what to look up. I wouldn't have thought to look up either of these things until you all said, hey, I wonder what's, what this is. And as long as it's something that, that I, I can compile, I will love to do it. I love doing the research. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, hopefully we can just get into some other things here in the off season, look at some of these questions. Maybe as things come up, um, throughout the season, we'll have other things to talk about, but, um, thank you nerds of steel. Thanks for coming through. So until next week, enjoy the conference championships this weekend. If you have a chance to watch and, um, as I always finish off the episode, thanks for geeking out. <laughs>